0: Hi, welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm Edward Russell, your host, and today I'm joined by my colleague Jay Shavit to talk about Chinese Airlines earnings in the first half and Orlando Airport's new Terminal C. Thank you and enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? Ah, oh, good, good. Just, uh, been out, you know. We had a good Labor Day weekend. Already been out on the road as as we, you know, airlines are hoping here in the US that business travel is going to pick up. So it's uh it's already seeming like uh, that's going to be the case from this end at least.
1: Yes, yes, and I know you had an interesting uh, journey yesterday, uh, giving a uh, uh, an interesting presentation, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit later.
0: Definitely, definitely. But first up, let's chat about the Chinese airlines. They reported their first half earnings recently, and you had a chance to take a look at those. Yeah,
1: I did. So um, I calculated the uh, the operating margin and net profit and other sort of headline numbers for the major Chinese airlines. Um, we're talking mainland China here, and I'm specifically mentioning the ones that are listed um, as stocks on the Shanghai uh, Stock Exchange. So that's uh, China Southern, Air China, China Eastern, which you might call the big three. Yeah. There's Hainan Airlines, which is also pretty big. And then two smaller carriers called Spring Airlines, a low cost carrier, and then Junyao, which is uh, based in Shanghai and partially owned by China Eastern. But I'm focusing on those three, uh, those six uh, carriers. And as you might expect, uh, it was an absolute bloodbath in the second quarter. Uh, Just to give you an example, uh, China uh, Eastern which was the worst performing of the six in the second quarter, their uh, operating margin was negative 141%. So their, uh, their expenses were just way, way, way above the revenues. Um, wow. And that is not, yeah, and that's not entirely surprising because of the lockdowns in Shanghai. Shanghai is where China Eastern is based. Um, they also own an airline called Shanghai Airlines, um, which is, uh, surprise, surprise, based in Shanghai as well. So you can imagine how that lockdown, that COVID lockdown uh, this spring was a, you know, just, you pretty much, there there are certain costs that an airline will incur that are just simply fixed. You know, you have to pay your employees, you have to pay your, you know, there, there are certain leases you have to pay, whatever. Um, But you're not getting any overhead,
0: you know, it it, it doesn't matter if you're flying your planes or not, you have set overhead and, you know, before you add in fuel costs that you only pay if you actually use the fuel, etc. But yes, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, uh, you know, kind of a uh, one very important characteristic of airline economics that you do have a lot of overhead costs, a lot of of fixed costs. So no surprise that these, you know, these airlines just had a really, really rough, uh, rough spring. Now, um, and I have the numbers. for the first half as well, and it's you know pretty similar story. China Eastern was the worst. Uh, China Southern, interestingly, perhaps um, still lost a lot of money, but they were kind of the the least uh, affected, and that's probably because one, they're um, they're based in down most of their activity is down in uh, you know the South, uh, eastern part of China, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, and I think they've been relatively spared of the COVID lockdowns um there may have been i think shenzhen is undergoing something right now i was going to say
0: so far uh, because I, I yeah i think shenzhen is actually facing some lockdowns now or or some restrictions at least
1: yep yep so uh you know this stuff it's it's a you know th- things always change it's a a moving sort of process here but uh but in, in the second quarter anyway <clears throat> during the first half china southern kind of fared a little bit better um air china is an interesting one uh their main hub is in beijing they certainly do have in Chengdu, which is totally locked down right now, uh, but they um, they kind of fared on the, they were almost as bad as Junyao, for example, in terms of operating margin, even though they're, you know, Shanghai is somewhat limited. And a big reason Air China has struggled a little bit more than most during the pandemic because, <clears throat> excuse me, they were the most uh, international airline of the big three, certainly. So the international basically remains kind of dormant in China. I mean, borders are essentially still closed. There's been uh, some relaxation of the quarantines and and whatnot. But, uh, you know, if you're you don't want to be an international heavy carrier in a situation like that. So that's another reason why, you know, China Southern, which is a little bit less international, it's kind of faring faring somewhat better.
0: Right. I mean, before the pandemic, Air China was I mean, they. I don't know if they actually are officially this, but they are the de facto flag carrier for China flying out of Beijing. I, I know that after they were the largest Chinese airline to the U S uh, you know, big star Alliance member. So air China yep. has, has been hit, hurt by those international border restrictions. Whereas I think yeah. China was China Southern, the largest domestic airline before the pandemic. I, I think that. Yep. They, they are in yeah, they, a,
1: they, yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And they've, they've been, yeah, I think, I'd like to say I, I can't you know, speak authoritatively on this, but I think that's at least helped China Southern as they've moved through the crisis because it just you know, domestically has been is their largest market or they're, they're, <laughs> they're the largest in the market. But it's going to be interesting to see how China, you know, it, so much is dependent on the government policy. You know, zero COVID has proven a very difficult goal to keep. Uh, but I know that the Chinese leadership has yet to back off of that plan. And it seems like the airlines are going to struggle until the you know, Chinese government decides that they can live with COVID. Uh, Absolutely,
1: and and yeah, and that's just going to be sort of a giant question overhanging the entire airline industry, and I mean, frankly, the entire travel industry right now is, you know, does China return to some normality at some point? Because uh, you know, it's just, it's such, it's become such a big part of the travel ecosystem. I mean, just to give you an example, something like twenty to twenty five percent of Boeing's aircraft orders are from China. Uh, and 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 particularly the Y bodies. Uh, um that's that's probably where those numbers are are the, the talking about Y bodies here, which which are, you know, this there's this big big margin big, big money products for the Boeings and Airbuses of the world. So that's um, you know, that's just one example of how China has just become so influential. Uh so everybody's waiting. Now, there was, um what people will tell you, I was listening to, so IATA presented uh, this week at a media briefing. And and Willie Walsh, the head of IATA, um, people remember him as the, also the head of IAG previously. Um, he basically said, and you hear this basically from airline executives everywhere, that once a government removes the travel restrictions, demand just suddenly spikes back. Like that's pretty much the only obstacle to recovery now at this point is the absolutely in government restrictions yep mm-hmm. You know,
0: speaking of that it just reminds me of when the u.s dropped their, their restrictions on um uh, europeans coming last last fall and we saw bookings jump overnight by
1: bang right overnight you know, triple digits
0: mm-hmm. on on some flights you know i mean that was from a low base it's easy to have percentages jump but at the same time that's you know like like you said it's the pent-up demand is very real and suddenly you know bursts as soon as those restrictions are dropped
1: Yep. Yep. And be sure, yeah, if you want to see those numbers uh, on China specifically, we'll have some more, uh, you know, kind of we'll we'll lay out some of the insights we talked about um, in this week's Airline Weekly issue. Um, yep. So be sure to check that out.
0: And, and you know, one more ha- question yep, before we share. get off this topic. Was there any mention of the MAX in the return to service in China? That's, you know, a big question for Boeing and, you know, China's a big market for them.
1: Yeah. Well, when you talk about mentioning stuff, there's not a whole lot of mentions of anything. So these are not, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, what I'm looking at here: are financial statements. So we're looking at, uh, you know, just just ink, uh, balance sheets, income statements. So you don't have the traditional kind of earnings calls, and there's not the same level of transparency that you'll get um, with other airlines. Now, there's no question, um, you know, you can dig into the uh, the Chinese language versions of the financial reports for at least the big, the bigger carriers, and um, you'll see the, you know, the the maxes are still very much on the book and, and whatnot. But uh, but the point you raise is, is an important one because, uh, like I said before, you know China is such an important customer for just uh, Chinese airlines for uh, Boeing and Airbus, and uh, they have sold a lot of Maxes for uh, to to Chinese airlines. Now you know with demand being so depressed, uh, it's probably not all too big a deal for for the carriers themselves that you know the Max was was grounded. Um, but, uh, yeah, at some point, you know, they're Ch- Chinese, airlines are absolutely relying on this plane to, uh, you know, as, 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 a, as, a extremely important, uh, you know, part of their business for sure.
0: Right. Right. So it'll be interesting to see when, when those planes finally start flying again. And as we've discussed before, I mean, it's as much wrapped up in geopolitics as it is in, you know, actual technical safety. So that's, uh, anyone's sure. guess when those planes will start flying. Well, Jay, yes, let's take no. a quick break, and we will be right back. Hey, Jay, we're back. Well, this week I was in Orlando to, to speak at the opening of their new Terminal C there, which is a 15-gate, uh, $3 billion facility that's really going to help that, that airport uh, expand as they come out of the crisis.
1: Right. And uh, yeah, that's exciting. So you were down there to see it. And yeah, tell us, tell us your thoughts.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's an impressive building. The last time I was there was when there were piles in the ground. So it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's really tracks the growth of the Orlando market. And as we saw during the pandemic, you know, demand, it was almost insatiable going into Florida. And that has seen Orlando get back to, they're almost back to 2019 levels. Uh, Their, their latest data shows them at about, um, you know, 90%. And, you know, this is an airport where they just, the, the growth just keeps happening. And the airport has been operating out of a terminal that has functioned, them, you know, served them very well, but it dates from 1981. So Terminal C was one of those projects that kicked off before the pandemic, and the airport decided to keep going forward with it. And now they're opening up as, we're seeing travel surge. Uh, you know, we didn't mention this earlier, but over Labor Day weekend, uh, the TSA screening numbers surpassed 2019 for the first, an extended for first time for an extended period that they have done that. So, you know, this terminal is really opening up into a market that's you know booming, essentially.
1: Yeah, Orlando is is just an incredible market for for so many ways. Uh, in so many ways, I mean, never known as a high yield market, but um, just. The, you know, Orlando and Las Vegas are the two biggest leisure destinations in the United States, I believe. Um, and that includes, you know, uh, well, there's, you know, the leisure itself, the people going to Disney World and whatnot, but it's also, you know, a huge convention place. And then uh, as we were, you know, talking about earlier, Ned, uh, Orlando itself is one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. So the local population is, is growing very fast. And you'd be surprised, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how much actual local business is growing there so i mean just for an example they have uh, you know the university of central florida is 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 giant it's one of the biggest like computer science programs in the united states um and so that generates outbound traffic and you have you know even an aerospace sector there that's somewhat linked to cape canaveral over on the coast and you have um you know there, there, there's definitely some organic businesses that are that are growing there so it's, it's uh, becoming uh more of a, a destination origin market as well as a destination market. Now, I don't want to overemphasize that of course the uh you know the the tour the inbound tourism is always going to be the big you know that's 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 the big always going to have the biggest footprint but uh some outbound stuff as well.
0: Absolutely. You know and I got a chance to sit down with their airport uh CEO there and, you know, he was telling me that one of the, the shifts they've seen as the population there has boomed and more more outbound travel from or, or origin travel from Orlando was, you know, they're having to build more long term parking just because they, you know, used to not. <laughs> it was much more people renting cars, people flying in and going. But now there's a lot more locals that need to park their cars and drive, which is, uh, you know, you, it's a problem that you have at most many origin airports in Orlando is facing that increasingly. But you know, he yeah. was saying, you know, it's it's shifted their travel patterns. When we talk, spoke, Jay, we talked about Puerto Rico, which has been a large uh, um, migration from Puerto Rico to the Orlando area. And that has made the Orlando San Juan route, which has been flown for years, but it's made it one of the busier routes out of that airport you know, with several airlines flying multiple times daily back and forth. So it's it's mm-hmm. fascinating uh, how the market keeps evolving.
1: Right. And so we talked about how, uh, you know, Orlando's always been a big uh, destination market for tourists. Um, We just mentioned how it's becoming, starting to become more of an origin market, substantial origin market. Uh, There's even some hub activity going on there, some connecting activity. And you'll see what what we've seen in recent years, you know, starting a few years before pandemic, uh, the likes of JetBlue and Spirit adding a lot of Caribbean nonstops from Orlando. And that those flights are often used as, uh, you know, connecting flights for people coming from the Northeast or the Midwest or throughout the, you know, Southeast, whatever. Uh, so there's even, you know, Orla- there's a lot going on in Orlando, more more so than, uh, you know, more so than just Disney and Universal Studios. Um, I just looked, by the way, looked up, uh, I pulled up the number, like the, the census numbers for population. Orlando is the 23rd largest metro area in the U.S. It's about, <clears throat> excuse me, it's about the same size as Charlotte now. Um, and just to give you an idea of how fast it's growing so during the the decade of the 2010s population in the orlando metro grew 22% and just by uh you know by comparison sake the new york area grew 6% and oh sorry excuse no the entire united states grew 6% the new york area grew 2% so uh you know 2 compared to 22 so it's one um wow. i don't think there's uh i'm looking down my list here i can't find the only place that grew faster among like the top 30 in the U.S. is Austin, Texas. That's about it. So Orlando is like kind of leading the way in, in, in demographic growth.
0: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I'd like to say what we've seen in, in some of these markets like Orlando is, is the airport investments have been significant and, it's really paying off for the airports that have decided to continue to work on on these terminal projects through the pandemic. Orlando Terminal C. I know Austin's moving forward with a new midfield concourse that they, they've been yep, planning. Uh, but then you've got major terminal projects opening later this year in at Newark. Uh, there's the ongoing work at LaGuardia, though I don't think I think actually that already opened. Concourses in Denver, a new concourse in Phoenix. I mean, we're seeing all these projects open across the country in the midst of this boom. And, and what we're seeing is, is frankly, just that the people who decided that it wasn't worth pausing these projects during the pandemic, I, that decision is really paying off. And, you know, Orlando is, is going to reap the benefits of this news terminal as traffic, as a local market continues to grow.
1: For sure, and clearly don't, don't, you know, make no mistake, airlines are paying attention to these, uh you know, these demographic numbers and how the, you know, how airports are planning future projects. Uh, you know, Orlando, sure enough, is a, uh, you know, has become just this big battleground between JetBlue and Frontier and Spirit. I mean, every, everyone is kind of fighting over that turf now. And interestingly enough, that's one reason uh, for the whole Spirit Airlines merger sweepstakes that we saw earlier this year. Um, it's not just Orlando per se, but Florida in general, just a, you know, very important market to all three of those carriers. And, uh, you know, being able to merge with with one of the others was was uh, you know, kind of it's going kind to of, frankly, having JetBlue or sorry, having Spirit gives JetBlue kind of a, a leg up in the Florida market. It's going to be able to price that a little bit more, you know, with with more strength. Uh, so, yeah, that's um Orlando is um is a market that a lot of people should be paying attention to.
0: Absolutely. And people people are airlines are. That's yep, for sure. Yep. Well, um, listeners, we'll have more on Orlando. I gave a speech there, and we'll be sharing that on the podcast in a later episode. But for now, we're going to leave it at that. Jay, always a pleasure. Uh, You can reach uh, listeners. You can reach Jay at js at skip.com. You can reach myself, Edward Russell, at er at skip.com. Jay, thanks again. Thanks, Ned. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.